8220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. KBOO is proud to co-sponsor the Portland Folk Music Society Concert Series starting Saturday, September 17th with singer-songwriter Tim Grimm. The Folk Music Series of nine Saturday concerts starts September 17th and continues through May of 2023 at the Reedwood Friends Church on Southeast Steel. Season tickets are now available. Ticket information can be found at kboo.fm under Community Events. All right, it's Undercurrents. Gabriela Castellan here with you. We're going to have some fun this next hour with some great music from Stevie Wonder, Blackhawk Walters, Loudon Wainwright, and Blitzen Trapper. And let's begin with Fanny Walked the Earth. Yeah. 
Hey, this is Mark Madelinen, also known as Najwan, on Undercurrents, American music with a passport. Then you got it bad girl 
From his talking book album that was You've Got It Bad Girl. Najawan ahead of that brought us Land of Skoden. It was haunted summer with empty nostalgia, and Fanny walked the earth with When We Need Her. You're listening to Undercurrents. I'm Gavriela. More great music is just around the corner, like this one from Michael Ferranti and Spearhead. It's been forever since we had time to breathe. Let's break on out of living, spinning out at breakneck speed. I don't care about what the time is or where this road will lead. I'm grateful because when I'm with you, you know I got all I need. Right here, all my troubles disappear like when I'm looking in your eyes and I can see things crystal clear, my dear. And Yesterday, today, or about tomorrow When I hold you in my arms I feel the healing of my sorrows Just fall away like dry leaves Turn to petals in the spring The magic that you bring Unlocks that thing inside of me My baby, right here All my troubles disappear Like when I'm looking in your eyes And I can see things crystal clear My dear, and Just like the sun and moon 
find love in this life that we can ignite. I believe we can be stars in the night that's brighter than bright. I believe there is a love in this life that we can ignite, and that's why I'll be by your side through this life. All right. Me gusta el trago para hacer contención Y me 
Listening to KBOO Portland 90.7 FM, also heard at Translator K220HR Hood River at 91.9 FM and Translator K282BH in Philomath at 104.3 FM. And we're streaming at the top of our lungs. KBOO is proud to co-sponsor the Portland Folk Music Society Concert Series starting Saturday, September 17th with singer-songwriter Tim Grimm. The Folk Music Series of nine Saturday concerts starts September 17th and continues through May of 2023 at the Reedwood Friends Church on Southeast Steel. Season tickets are now available. Ticket information can be found at kboo.fm under Community Events. Hello, I'm your host, Donald Altman, and welcome to Pathways, where you are invited to join us for a visit with leaders in personal and cultural transformation. The arts have always held a special place in culture. Art carries our imagination to new and often magical places. Maybe that's why some believe that art is best left to the painters, sculptors, actors, poets, and writers of the world. With the modern emphasis on production, efficiency, and speed, we might wonder if art is simply irrelevant to the practical side of life, things like business, personal health, jobs, and even raising children. Yes, we can focus on the life outcomes and search online for the most effective life hacks, (laughs) but uh, doing so misses the point that life itself can be lived artistically, artfully, and sensitively. This can shift your whole perspective, bring deeper meaning, expressiveness, and connectedness into each day. It may actually help you to find your voice, your heart, and your wholeness in an otherwise algorithmic tilting world. Well, to help explore the idea of bringing art into daily life is Margaret Ladd, an actress well-known for her award-winning role of Emma Channing on CBS's primetime soap opera, Falcon Crest. Uh, Margaret has worked with directors such as Robert Altman and Woody Allen, 
and directed her her own film, Miss American Beauty. In addition to her many memorable appearances in film and television, Margaret is also the creator and co-founder of the Imagination Workshop, a nonprofit theater arts organization that harnesses the unique power of theater to provide life-changing artistic opportunities to the mentally ill, homeless veterans, senior citizens, and at-risk young people. Imagination Workshop programs give troubled people frequently alienated or overlooked by society a safe way to express themselves and gain insight that often makes their lives more successful. In fact, a recent study demonstrated that patients who participated in the Imagination Workshop had an average improvement of 38% in their social, occupational, and psychological functioning. And that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, it's an honor and a pleasure to have Margaret Ladd here with us today. Hello, Margaret, and welcome to the Pathways Show. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, you know, listeners may remember uh, we had your, your husband, Lyle Kessler, a playwright, was on our show a while back, and Lyle said, you know, you've got to get Margaret on the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that should attract you. <laughs> well, that prompted me to, you know, you're the first actress that uh, I've uh, interviewed on Pathways, so it's a real treat for me uh, to have somebody who's been in so many films and television series. And I'm curious, I'd like to ask guests a little about their background. Um, how, when did you first know you wanted to be in the arts or be on stage? How did that happen for you? Oh, well, it's interesting that you say in the arts because um, when I was three, my parents made a little uh, recording on, on this kind of record thing and uh -huh. interviewed me and my cousin. I was three, my cousin was four, and my sister was five. Wow. And I, my, my sister, and, and so they asked everybody what they wanted to be when they grow up. And my, my sister said that she wanted to be a teacher and my cousin wanted to be a nurse. And they asked me, what did you want to, what do you want to be? And I said, an artist. <laughs> so I, I just thought about that yesterday. That is so interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah. And the first thing I think about a lot of parents is, oh my God, there's the you know we have the stereotype of the starving artist. And uh, did did you find that they supported you? So you at a very young age, you had this uh, uh, direction you wanted to move in. Um. Uh, uh, I wish I could say that they did it wasn't it was an ambivalent it was a family that was both totally in, in love with the arts wonderful people great for society mm -hmm. uh, very very caring but there was there were there was baggage in those years that was mm -hmm. the beginning of right in the middle of the uh the second world war mm -hmm. uh, and uh they were we just uh, being a jewish family uh there were a lot of uh unspeakable, uh, horrible things that were happening to our people sure. across the ocean. And so there was a lot of trouble and ambition and frustrated ambition. And there was a lot of competition in my family. And um, so I, I, I feel that I'm deeply grateful for, for living a life in the arts. I don't feel I was the one that was treasured uh, as mm. a potential artist. I, I was sort of the uh, um, the one that was sort of thought that I was pretty and that I should let my sister be the smart one. And she <laughs> was and is. I mean, she is brilliant. Yeah. She went to Swarthmore and I am also smart though too. And so um, <laughs> a lot of what I created, this, this incredible intense almost um, uh, thing of the times, which I think we understand now of, of, of the tragedy of the times, unfortunately uh, held my parents back in certain ways. And, but I would say that in the end of the day, the answer is yes, they encouraged me in the sense that yeah. they took me I, although I felt bad like that I wasn't supposed to, I wasn't the one that they thought was the one, um, uh, I 
was glad that I and my sister both became wonderful artists. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, I, I say that I'm a wonderful artist because I'm full of wonder, not because I'm <laughs> going to necessarily inspire wonder in you. But uh, it's a wonderful life. It's a horrible profession, but it is a delicious life. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful way of saying it. Um, how? So you grew up in a family that didn't really uh, maybe understand that that was the most secure field and that could cause some concern for parents, of course. How do you support, how, how do you think parents can best support children who maybe want to move in that direction? Because I'm sure a lot of our members in our audience today might be have children or themselves maybe want to pursue art. You know, I, um, I really uh, deeply treasure the the concept that we all have to aspire when we're dealing with the arts to a sort of a higher level. Um, and so mm -hmm. inspire towards excellence. So to say that everybody is an artist um, is both true and not true. Um, just what do you, like what do you, everybody, what do you mean by kids, that? Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah, what, do you, what could you expand on that idea that everybody's an artist, but not? Yes, but the arts are, inborn in all of us every especially the art of theater i mean there is not a, a not a, a a small civilization uh that doesn't do theater that mm. doesn't the children where the children don't wake up and want to play there are no animals in our in our world that play with dolls that actually externalize mm. the possibility they might they might play with dolls like my dog sat, uh, listened to uh, a, a alarm clock when he was a baby and thought it was his mother. But that's because <laughs> he thought it was real. Yeah. And he was the most loving person I ever knew, actually, my dog, Robert. <laughs> but um, but so I, I, I agree with, um, I think it was Thoreau that said, the forest would be a silent place if only the best birds sang. And mm. I want everyone to sing and to feel I, there is something deeply needed and healing in allowing ourselves to express metaphor and find new possibilities of who we are. And at the same time, do it like an artist does it. Do it not just for the self, but for uh, the connection of, of what they said about uh, Eugene O'Neill, that he had intimations of immortality because mm -hmm. I think that place up here over our heads that is where a great unvalued healing in our sense of humanity and intellectual curiosity and creative and imagination all grows I think that you're what you're saying here is that we can use art in a healing way and that's a beautiful sentiment and I think we need that with so much divisiveness in the world nowadays. How can we bring that, you know, that sense of curiosity toward others and uh, that sense that uh, everybody has this beautiful, you know, like oh, I love that about all the birds can sing. And if only the, the best birds sang, it'd be a very empty, silent place. <laughs> yeah, silent place. So how do we uh, help others to sing and to bring their artistry into the world? and? Well, I think we have to teach them. And I think my parents did give me this. I mm. think they have to give me, give you, give everybody ex uh, exposure to the art. Mm. To not confuse um, television commercial with the arts because that's done by actors. <laughs> to, really, to realize that the arts are something special. They are based on the history of other arts, for one thing. They're based on uh, on the fragments that we remember that we don't even know why from mm. Shakespeare that we hear that we read once. They they form our personalities, and we don't value that enough. And yet, I you know I don't I don't think that that I created the imagination workshop. In a way, I think the the severely mentally ill patients that I had the unique opportunity to see in the context of creating characters far 
removed from the soap by accident. Yeah. When I was with Ionesco doing a, a world premiere of his play, so that I was all heady. I was in my 20s and I was so thrilled to be with Ionesco. I was <laughs> like one of my favorite authors anyway. Yeah. Because so, he had a sense of the ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, well, this is great because I wanted to move into talking about the imagination workshops. And uh, and so uh, you actually got the idea when you were with Ionesco? Is that how this yes, emerged? Yes, I did. And um, I, I was in a play um, and uh, I was an actually an, uh, I had just made my Broadway debut with Geraldine Page uh, in a play uh, called the, the Great Indoors. And I think he saw me in it, but I'm not exactly sure how it came to be that I was asked to do this play at the Berkshire Theater Festival, where there is a very well-deserved famous psychiatric institute called um, Austin Riggs. And uh, they they had a very close connection connection with Arthur Penn and and other famous uh, people that prominent I would say in the theater uh, and so there was a t deep connection between the institute and the theater they mm -hmm. all both loved each other the doctors respected the artists and vice versa, we were actually living, Ionesco and I and many of the cast were living on the grounds of Austin Riggs in an old oh, mansion wow. called, I forget what now, but um, uh, Heaton Hall. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we had drinks every night on the, uh, on the outside and uh, Ionesco was dressed, he and his wife with these magical um, clothes, they always were they were so bright and they were so tiny and short. Well, they were older by then. Oh, interesting. And, uh, yeah. and then there were these long, skinny patients that were sort of staring us from behind a big oak tree that they hid behind. And Ionesco and his wife would slap their legs when they laughed and tell us jokes in France, in French, which we didn't <laughs> understand, but we just laughed with them. It was a, so, And then one day we were invited by one of these patients to go and see. Uh, a play that they were in. Hmm. Was this a play they created or? It wasn't a play that they created. It was Gertrude Stein's In Circles, but mm -hmm. it was it was done by a professional theater artist, a wonderful director named Jane Moody Brooks. And she somehow got these patients to, and she worked as an artist with them. She didn't mm. work as a, so mm. went in there and we were scared. We weren't sure we knew anyone mentally ill. Of course, I later found out that I did know a lot of people that I didn't know they were. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh. we're watching, and we remembered what the patients looked like, and we're looking, and the 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 uh, the director said, "Now I cast this from the people in the community, the staff, and patients, long-term mentally ill patients." Mm. So the first five minutes, all we wanted to do was figure out which who is which was which. Okay, now which ones are crazy, you know? And then <laughs> felt yeah. this terrible shame of why are we mm. thinking like this? Because you definitely couldn't tell. And then instead of looking at the, so we all almost as a group, almost as an informal peer group, group of peer groups of artists in this mm -hmm. kind of renowned theater, we saw that the ones that were the best were the patients. And- Oh, interesting, yeah. And Ionesco whispered to me, they create from the place that dreams come from. Mm. And uh, I thought about that. And as we walked out, Ionesco and I were stunned, literally stunned by it. It was so magnificent to see them transformed. And having seen them like this, Having seen them kind of uh, couldn't just do it. Having seen their whole body posture change. Their whole body, their whole well, of course they were wearing bright. They were wearing beautiful makeup and costume. It was like a shock, and um, but and I was so moved by it. I said to my, I said, as I was walking out. And Leonesca and I were walking really slow. Everybody else was walking really fast, but somehow we were both like stunned. 
And I said to myself, there but for the grace of God go I. Mm. And I realized that when I became an actress, when I started to act, first of all, everybody, like my first, all these great actresses loved me. They, they, they welcomed me into a family where mm. they treasured me. And uh, as I said, you know, my parents, my father lost two brothers. So he wanted a boy so badly. They already had a daughter. And it was just, mm. I was like a, <laughs> a disappointment <laughs> to them. But they were never cruel. But I just am saying it was sure. the feeling that was something was wrong and I didn't know what it was. And, um, but all of a sudden it was right. And I felt I did belong. Mm. And I, I was, and so I asked the people at Riggs, I said, why do you do this all the time? And he said, because we do do it, but, and it's wonderful, but there's no carryover. And oh, so, they didn't, they didn't know how to, um, therapeutically how it worked. No, they knew it worked momentarily. Yeah. Just by doing it, just by doing a play. But, but that it, they didn't know if there was any lasting effect from. They didn't feel there was. Yeah. And they took me over to see the same patients. And sure enough, they were sitting there. Just. This was the next day. And I thought, well, this is odd. And I talked to a lot of my friends, Sam Waterston, Jill Clayberg, um, Lyle Kessler, my husband mm -hmm. <laughs> later. <laughs> I, I didn't know him then. But, um, and we create, we decided that they had to create their own stories with characters far removed from themselves, not, mm. and not talk about their illness and leave guns and drugs at the door and just try to work. And the patients named it the Imagination Workshop. And oh, immediately they were able to do these exercises and create the most gorgeous plays you've ever seen. That, that's and there was carryover. Yeah, there was carryover. How? Uh, so, um, my understanding was that even catatonic patients, patients who were maybe almost immobile or not able, unable to speak, came alive when they Abs were doing these shows. Yes, that's true. I, I I actually was just thinking about one patient who was such so catatonic that he was he was he was so skinny he wasn't eating. Mm. Um, he was in a wheelchair. He had an aide who had to pick him up, to let him eat and stuff. And he didn't speak. And we were doing a, a thing where imagine an animal character far removed from yourself, obviously, and <laughs> pretend you're going for a job, pick the job. And so, um, uh, but you're embodying you're embodying this uh, this uh, animal character as you're going for the job. Yeah, so we we just encouraged them to pick yeah. each thing. Once we taught them to, that they could pick things, they could pick which animal, they could pick where they were going to sit, they could pick. Oh, so they were. He was sitting in the back, and the the staff said, "Don't, don't, don't, don't. We don't know what's matter with him. We don't, don't make him come in." And so I saw him look up, and I said, "Would you like to?" And his aide looked at me and went like this. His <laughs> aide was so loving, and so. Uh, this I looked at the staff. They said, "So he lifted him up and, and put him in the wheelchair. He was in the wheelchair, and he's he wanted to sit on the regular chair with the other people." Oh, yeah. He sat, and I think it was Sam Waterston, but I, I hope I'm not wrong, and, and he doesn't yeah. get mad. But I'm sure he wouldn't be mad. I'm pretty sure he played the other character. I knew to pick a, another artist. We had three yeah. artists in every group, and. So he said, so uh, you, uh, you pick, uh, you, you wanna go for a job? And the guy nodded and he said, well, what animal are you again? And he made this whole thing and became an amazing monkey thing. So, oh, oh, a monkey. Wow. And he said, and he nodded and he said, well, what animal would you like to play? And amazingly, cause he wasn't talking. He said, I want, to be an elevator operator in a hospital. And mm. Sam said, what? That's amazing. Why do you want to do that? He said, because I'm sick and I will feel more comfortable because other people will be sick. And 
I can make the, I just have one lever there. I can make the elevator go up and I can make the elevator go down <laughs> and all the people come in and go out and I'm the one that does that. So I just realized mm. how incredible the sense of hope is, even in people that if they're allowed to yeah. get away from the sense of self and take a vacation, almost like a, you know, they get, put people in those temporary comas just to let them heal. That is a fascinating idea, even in terms of uh, how we can become so locked into our own ego identity. And yes. that can be very constricting. And what you're saying here is that people have the freedom to kind of unshackle themselves from that identity. And that's yes. that can be very empowering. I, I'm telling you, nobody knows why this thing has existed for so many years. It's 50 years old. It's sort of 50,000 patients. Wow. And there yeah. hasn't been, oh my God, knock on wood, knock on wood. A single set, a single suicide that I know of, I'm the most suicidal group. And I, it, there is something in, I, I once talked to the secretary of Oliver, of, of um, Salk, and and he's about this because I was supposed to go there for something when I was in Falcon Crest and I couldn't go. I wanted to apologize. And he said, oh, God, he would love this. I told him I thought it was the natural antibody to mental illness, which is. Wow. And, it, and I, I think I read in one of the studies how it was very effective, too, with schizophrenia. Yeah. Who experienced schizophrenia. So uh, or depression. And and uh, now it's been expanded to work with. Uh, with gang violence and seniors, right? And yes, it's been worked with every population. And somehow the key is that they've lost their ability to communicate because mm. they've somehow turned against the sense of self that they have. So we let them take mm. a chance and play someone else, someone they admire, yeah. someone from their childhood, someone from literature, someone really a, a character that they totally admire we have to be careful because sometimes they pick like Adolf Hitler or whatever, but <laughs> we pick another. We never make a big deal out of it, but yeah. you know, we have to keep them in the positive and yeah. that's really, yeah. uh, and they do that. Well, I can see that's very inspiring. Uh, Margaret, we have just a couple of minutes. If you would like to guide our uh, audience, maybe in some kind of visualization or something that they might be able to do to tap into that imagination Okay. Well, the first thing, I'm going to do it real fast because I know we just have a couple yeah. of minutes. Just make any sound and movement, like, and say your first name, and we'll all copy it with you. You copy it with me, and I'll copy it with you. Okay. Margaret. 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 And now you say Margaret. yours. Margaret. Donald. Now you say your name. Donald. Donald. <laughs> and and the, okay, so the first thing we do is everybody does it physically. Uh -huh. The second thing is we take the hand of the person next to us and we give them an imaginary gift. Well, I'm going to imagine here. It can't be anything that yeah. costs money. It has to be something that's like a day in the country with a friend. Just to, or a, a wonderful, so can you think of one, Donald? An imaginary gift to give me yeah, I would um, uh, give you an imaginary, uh, I'd give you the, uh, one of the beautiful trees. I love the outdoors. I love plants. I'd give you a tree with some beautiful stars shining around it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. And okay, so that's, those are the two things we do mm. in the beginning for everybody, each oh, individual. Okay. So they all feel they're identified and they say their name, they say, and then the last thing is we do an improv, uh, and it's too take too long to do. But finally, we say to them, stand in a circle and hold hands and say one word about how you feel now. And what do you think is the most com? What what do you, how do you feel right now? Buddy? Well, I feel uplifted. That would be my word, <laughs> uplifted. Uh, Great, because this has been a beautiful conversation, and it's given made me. Uh, kind of take off some of my own filters and blinders so I can see more of the beauty each day. Oh, that's so wonderful, Donald. I'm so honored that you had me do this. My my word is peace. Oh, that's why. wonderful. I feel 
the need for peace so much. And I felt it for a moment, even just talking about this. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. You know, thank you, Margaret. I, I would love to talk longer and there's a lot more we could explore. And I I loved your, your uh, improv that you guided us through. Thank you. You know, but we've run out of time. Let's be sure to tell our listeners about your website first. Uh, if you wanted to actually see some of Mar Margaret's own clips of the work she's done, you can go to this website. It's called demoreel.com forward slash Margaret Ladd. And that's demoreel, D-E-M-O-R-E-E-L dot com forward slash Margaret Ladd, one word. And that, um, and you can also find her film Miss American Beauty on that site. The second website is imaginationworkshop.org, and that's one word, imaginationworkshop.org, and that's where you can learn more about uh, the different kinds of things that the Imagination Workshop is doing. And um, it just was really great to hear from the person who uh, created and co-founded this. Uh, for those who tuned into the Pathway Show late, this is your host, Donald Altman, author of several books on mindfulness, including my newest, The Simply Mindful Coloring Book, and Simply Mindful, a seven-week course and personal handbook for mindful living. Information about my courses